We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week 17. We have reached championship week and season long uh, leagues. We have a full slate for week 16. It should be a, should be a fun one here. I am Scott Jensted, joined as always by Derek Van Riper. Derek, how are you this week? Doing pretty good, Scott. Uh, glad it's week 16 from a, a season long perspective. And I'm glad this slate for a main slate is 10 times better than the pile of crap we had to deal with last week. I was a little worried about last week. When we recorded, and it was even worse than I expected. That was a first semifinals in, in season long leagues. I mean, that was just such a bonkers week. I mean, it was no quarterback threw for three touchdowns across the entire NFL. Uh, there were, you know, Keenan Allen got hurt before he had a catch. Adam Thielen had 19 yards. It was just a, it was a crazy week of a lot of huge studs. Saquon Barkley too, just throwing up total zeros. Yeah, I mean, even the Chiefs didn't go completely nuts in that Thursday game against the Chargers. So a lot of the pieces that carried people. To that point, a lot of our cash game building blocks came up very short last week. Yeah, I mean, there were there were tournaments that uh, the ones I saw, uh, you know, on FanDuel, 160, 165 points were winning tournaments. And, you know, I've had 
200 point weeks that barely cash over this year. So it's uh, it's very clear that uh, December is a little bit different in the NFL right now. Do you buy into, you know, defenses have adjusted and kind of figuring out a little bit? Or do you think it's kind of a fluky last couple of weeks? I mean, three weeks ago, we all we were looking at was, you know, how crazy the NFL was and nobody could stop anybody. And now uh, now we're here. Seems kind of fluky and could be the function of players being banged up, schedules just being weirdly difficult. I mean, like the Saints have been on the road three weeks in a row, so they're finally back home yeah. for their big matchup against Pittsburgh. You know, everywhere you look, you just see these goofy little things. We've had a few shutouts the last couple of weeks. You know, Dallas getting shut out by the Colts. That was a big surprise last week. Two weeks ago, it was the Colts getting shut out by the Jags. Uh, so it, it's been, I think, as much as anything, just some odd scheduling sorts of things. A few teams in division seeing each other the second time. Sometimes those games get pretty ugly. I mean, even New England and Pittsburgh last week. That should have been yep. the shootout, the game to be loaded up on. That disappointed too. That was a, that was a big surprise for me. My favorite stat was uh, the as of these Sunday afternoon games, the NFC East. They had played three games, had one touchdown, was scored by Jeremy Sprinkle. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Giant, Giants, no touchdowns. Cowboys, no touchdowns. Redskins had just the one offensive touchdown. It was, uh, it was uh, gross is a good word for it. But looking at week fifteen, uh, we do have, uh, you know, twelve games on the main slate. We're missing four. There's a couple of Saturday or there's one Saturday, two Saturday games again. No Thursday game. Uh, the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. We do lose the Kansas City Seattle game, which has an over under fifty three. But look at the slate. It's an interesting over under week. We've got the the Pittsburgh New Orleans game at fifty three and a half. We have Jacksonville, Miami at 39 and a half. The other 10 games are all between 42 and 47 points on the over-under. It's uh, a very strange week where you don't have a lot of extremes on either side. No, you really don't. I mean, you don't have any teams projected to put up 30 this week. Usually there's one or two teams in that group, and usually the Chiefs are among them, but they're on the main slate. And, and the Saints are kind of close to that. They're at 29 and a half at home against Pittsburgh. So choosing your spots carefully is going to be important like it always is. Uh, but some of the teams that are in the, the high 20s, I mean, the Browns at home against the Bengals, Dallas at home against Tampa Bay, even the Rams with Todd Gurley a little dinged up going on the road to Arizona, they don't feel quite as certain as you would expect them to for being you know, top five, top six implied totals on the board. Yeah, I think that uh, even more than usual, finding a couple games in that uh, in that kind of massive middle range games that you think is going to go uh, over the total is pretty important. You mentioned Gurley. Interesting point there, you know, week 16, you know, guys that are dinged up get treated a little bit differently than they do in the midseason. You know, if, if teams are in the playoffs, you know, they may sit guys. You could have guys play a half. If guys, teams are out of the playoffs, you know, maybe they sit guys. We saw that Cam Newton's not playing this week. I mean, it's uh, I think injuries take on a, a magnified effect at this point in the year just because teams either don't have anything to play for or have so much to play for. There's no reason to push guys, especially in the second half of games. Right. So you think about Newton not playing for the Panthers and the follow up for me is, well, what does that mean for Christian McCaffrey? I mean, if you're you're shutting down Cam because he clearly doesn't look right. His mechanics looked terrible <laughs> on Monday night. It was it was he, hard to watch. He looked like he was in pain throwing the ball. Like it, it yeah, just his arm did. did not want to follow a normal path. But what does that mean for Christian McCaffrey? I mean, McCaffrey has shown he's one of the most valuable offensive players in the league this season. How much do you scale back his workload? I mean, even if you're not going to shut him down, maxing out his touches doesn't seem like it's a lock anymore. So he becomes a guy that in cash games, I'm not necessarily making him like a priority play. Like I think you can roll him out there in cash if they don't say anything about restrictions, but I don't think you have to do it. I think there's a few other ways you can build your lineup this week. You know, Zeke's at a similar price uh, on both sides. His matchup's a lot better. The Cowboys have a lot to play for. You know That kind of seems like an easy pivot. For some reason, Saquon Barkley's priced down on DraftKings, so 
I almost wonder if the concerns about McCaffrey's workload and the pricing of some of the other top backs this week make McCaffrey kind of lower owned than we've seen in several weeks. Yeah, I think that uh, a combination of that and no cam to kind of take the threat away from McCaffrey will, will take people off him. I mean, I don't know a ton about Tyler Heineke. I don't even really know how to spell his last or say his last name. But um, it's just uh, you wonder you a you wonder if he gets a bunch of dump offs in a positive direction. You just wonder if they if they get behind in that game. You know, maybe they ease off McCaffrey in the second half. They're just there's there's a lot of pass that I see where McCaffrey in the second half is not really touching the ball a lot, and uh, that scares me to DFS angle because you you want upside. Yeah, I mean Heineke. I think it's been in North Turner's system in the past in, during his time in Minnesota. Uh, obviously, hasn't played much in the NFL and went to Old Dominion. He can run yep. a little bit. Uh, it's probably going to be a lot of checkdowns. I mean, the Panthers do have a lot of guys that can run routes around the line of scrimmage and then do a lot after the catch, McCaffrey being among them, uh, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and even the tight end, Ian Thomas, isn't going to run a lot of deep routes. So it, it might not be a total disaster. But it just might not be the Panthers' offense that we've been leaning on all season, which has helped prop up McCaffrey and made him an elite back. I very rarely have to look up a skill player's college, and I admit that I did not know where Tyler Heineke went to college uh, before yesterday. I didn't either. So uh, let's go game by game, and I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to start with one of the afternoon games. I think sometimes the the big afternoon game gets lost, and we, we do it last in the podcast. So I want to start with Pittsburgh and New Orleans. Uh, a very clear outlier in the overrunner this week we mentioned. It's a 53-and-a-half. Pittsburgh going to New Orleans. You mentioned New Orleans uh, three road games in a row. They finally get home. That's a, that's a pretty a rare thing in the NFL. You don't usually get three in a row at home or on the road. But start with the Pittsburgh offense. Uh, you look at the Saints defense, and they were they were bad earlier in the year. There's no way around that. They did not look like the team they did look like in 2017. But uh, 17 or fewer points allowed the last six weeks. That is, a, that is a pretty impressive stretch. Yeah, they've flashed this at least once before the last few years, and then it all fell apart again. So we've been teased at times by the Saints defense but they've been legitimately good against the run from start to finish this year I think that presents an interesting sort of wrinkle with Jalen Samuels I mean he's priced up compared to where he's been the last few weeks on both sites so it's a little tougher decision to play him I think it makes Samuels a little more of a GPP play we know on DraftKings especially he can be a good flex option maybe even a second second running back because he's going to catch a ton of passes that's just part of what they do with him i mean like they're going to let him catch a ton of passes they may have to throw a lot because they're six point underdogs in the road i just think it's it's less than a lock to play him this week the last couple of weeks it's been pretty clear you want to use him doesn't look like james connor's going to be out there with the saints coming off of three games in a row on the road where they really sputtered offensively what do you think ownership rates are going to look like on some of their key players. Do you think people are going to just disregard that completely? Do you think they're going to be a little more careful than they would have been previously? I mean, Michael Thomas should be very high-owned. It makes perfect sense. But what about, like, Elvin Kamara? Like, where do you think he falls? Is he actually a little more of a tournament play than a cash game play based on his overall output over these last five or six weeks? I just think with the the way this game is so much different than every other game on the slate, and the over under is so much higher than everything, I think I think this game is going to be just attacked by every angle. I think that, you know, I think you're right about Kamara. Obviously, the, the workload has not been quite the same. Although the targets have been there the last three weeks, they've they've clearly adjusted the last couple weeks. He has 26 targets the last three weeks, but I think all the big names in this game are going to be um, fairly popular. I think that uh, everybody's going to try and stack this game, mix and match this game. And that being said, you know, you mentioned the six point spread in favor of New Orleans. That kind of lines up to me as a, as a prime spot to use Ben Roethlisberger. 
Yeah, I think Roethlisberger is going to be one of the predominantly uh, used cash game plays, and it makes perfect sense. And, you know, it's kind of like Roethlisberger and Breeze, who's a couple hundred bucks cheaper on DraftKings. I got to look at their price on FanDuel again. Those two guys are going to be pretty chalky. Andrew Luck, home against the Giants. Luck's been amazing at home this year. Like, that's going to be the core three, I think, for cash. And then you've got Nick Foles priced down home against Houston that kind of creates this other path where if you want to save money at quarterback, take a little bit less in terms of your baseline projection, but then allocate those resources to pay up at the top of the pool for two elite running backs or two very good running backs and an elite receiver. That's going to create a lot of flexibility that people want. And I think because of of the prices on Thomas and Antonio Brown and Juju, and that they're all in that same high over under game, that's going to be something people also want to consider because they're going to jam in as many players from that game as possible. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very true. I think finding the uh, finding the cheap options is the uh, is the key this week if you want to stack this game. And you know, last week that was the key too. We talked about uh, you know Barkley and Zeke up top a lot, and neither you know Zeke had 100 yards, but Barkley didn't. But you know, Chris Carson and and Dalvin Cook and Jalen Samuels and uh, there's one of the Joe Mixon all were fantastic in that mid range. It was it was an odd week where we talked about the stud running backs so much uh, over the last like six or seven weeks, but finally the mid range guys came through. Yeah, even Marlon Mack went nuts too. Yep, yep. Um, he's still priced down on both sides so I'm kind of curious to see what happens with with Mac this week because the Giants have been so bad against the run but I don't really see any red flags in in the Saints Steelers game I I don't see any of the key players on on either side that I would stay away from I mean in tournaments if you're going to stack the game you're obviously going to have some lower owned pivots elsewhere and I think you can win with that combination this week I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say, you know, make sure you don't have a Steelers Saints stack in, in GPPs because it's a big enough slate where you can get differentiation at the other three or four spots in your lineup outside of your stack. Yeah, you mentioned Kamara. I really like him at 7,400 in DraftKings. I think that uh, the split with Mark Ingram definitely hurts him, but this feels like a game that uh, is more of a Kamara game. It should be back and forth, should be high scoring. I mentioned the 26 targets last few weeks, and I think that they're kind of realizing that they're just a better offense when he's more heavily involved. They don't. It, it's it's kind of been quiet. At, uh, you know how good their offense has been most of the year, but they don't really have a lot of weapons outside of Michael Thomas in the passing game. Traquan Smith is very up and down. You know they have Kirkwood and a couple Austin Carr, a couple other guys that kind of get in the mix and Taysom Hills kind of doing some stuff. But I think that when Kamara's catching passes, this offense just goes to a level of, of danger that it, it doesn't touch when he's not going to touch the ball. Completely agree with you, and I think the thing that's most frustrating about the Saints is that. They don't use Traquan Smith more. He just hasn't been that yeah. involved since that that monster game in Philadelphia. He missed Week 12 against Atlanta. Hit the three games on the road where they just didn't play all that well. So maybe getting back at home gets him back on track. Maybe he's a GPP play. I don't think he's an essential GPP play. I just think he's in the mix as you look for cheap options. I just I kind of wonder if the ownership's going to come out higher than it should because everyone expects this to be a spot for him to get well. Do you have a, a preference this week between Antonio Brown and, and Juju? It's a $300 difference on DraftKings and 700 on FanDuel, and Brown's more expensive on both sides. It's Juju for me in, in both cases just because saving that money as I was building lineups was important. Uh, there's some weeks where 300 bucks doesn't make that much of a difference in the end, but I found having that extra flexibility was something I really needed just to build a lineup top to bottom that I felt great about. So it's it's Juju for me for sure. Uh, again, I, I think you can play them in, in cash, play them in GPPs, but just make sure you differentiate accordingly if you're going to stack or go heavy with Steelers and Saints. Yeah, I love starting a lineup with Roethlisberger, Juju, and Kamara this week and kind of figuring it out from there. Yes, I think that's a great foundation. 
Um, what do you what do you, what do you do if you play Breeze? Do you stack him with Thomas? Do you do something a little bit different? Like what, what's the preferred combo if you're going to use Breeze as your quarterback this week? Yeah, if I'm going Breeze, I'm fully going Thomas. I, I like Thomas this week. A uh, you know, really quiet run. He had one game under 50 yards the first 10, 10 weeks of the season. Now he has three under 50 yards in the last four four games. It just it feels like a, a great spot for him coming back into home in a high-scoring game. He does have 30 targets and 23 catches the last three games. So it's not like he's been totally quiet, but just not putting up the yards and touchdowns we're accustomed to. But, yeah, if I'm going Breeze, I, I'm definitely stacking with Thomas. And then what I would do is – I'd pick someone else on the other side to come back with. It might be a Samuels if I was looking to save money if I went Breeze and Thomas and needed a little bit of cap. Um, I think a, a Breeze a Breeze Thomas Samuels uh, start might be pretty interesting, especially if you think that the Steelers get behind a little bit and Samuels catches a lot of balls out of the backfield. My base build ended up being Foles at quarterback, but then it was Kamara uh, with Juju as the two pieces I wanted yeah. most from this game. Hard, hard not to like that. I, I how much is uh, how much is Foles on DraftKings again? Forty seven hundred. Yeah, I mean, that's a full 2000 cheaper than Ben that allows you to do a lot of other stuff. And I, yeah, I think that could work well. Yeah, I mean, I think he's only going to get like 18 DraftKings points, but you're just saving so much money. You're going to make up the extra yeah. six or eight points you're losing going with Foles with the extra 2K you have pretty easily. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a very interesting way to go about it and kind of getting pieces of that Steelers Saints game on the upside uh, while also saving some money elsewhere. That's uh, that's an interesting one. I like uh, I like the way you're going there. How about Vance McDonald? I know he's burned you a bunch of times, but do you want to take a shot on him? Uh, I don't. Do you? <laughs> Only in tournaments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the the yardage. The yards are so so meager. You just you you kind of have to force a touchdown to have any chance. I mean, he's under under forty yards the last five weeks. Is uh, you know under under fifty yards like seven the last eight weeks. Just not enough there, and you know there's not enough PPR gold there. You know you know four catches is kind of your upside there. I just. He's so touchdown reliant. I just, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, I, I totally understand. And there's other tight ends I actually like this week that are priced in the same range. What about uh, your Packers headed to uh, New York to face the Jets? Uh, Packers are minus three. That line has moved around a lot based on the early, early week stuff that Aaron Rodgers might not play. He says he's going to play. The spread jumped up from even to minus three. Uh, Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a three touchdown game since week five. That, that I find that impossibly hard to believe. This seems like a spot where he could pull it off, even though it's on the road. I mean, the Jets have had a lot of injuries in their secondary. I, th- I think Devontae Adams can go crazy in this game. Adams is probably going to be pretty low owned again this week. He's up at 8,500 on DraftKings, so he's 200 more than Antonio Brown. He's 300 more than Juju. He's 400 more than Michael Thomas, and he's 700 more than Adam Thielen. So when you think about what people are going to do when they're spending up at receiver, Adams and even like DeAndre Hopkins, who's 8,600, are probably going to cruise under the radar. Talked about Adams last week. He just always gets his. His share of that target load is so high. He has the trust of Rodgers. The floor is crazy, but the ceiling is good, too. He's had, I think, 20-point games in five of his last six, and the game where he fell short against Minnesota, he had like a 17.9 on DraftKings because he was uh, 5 for 69 with a TD. So Devontae Adams is still kind of that elite receiver that, is cruising somehow under the radar in DFS because of the way things are structured. The play everyone's going to chase is Jamal Williams because with no Aaron Rodgers or no Aaron Jones, Williams is going to probably get 15 carries with ease. He's going to catch some passes. So he's got a path of 20 touches. He's 5,400. And I'll remind people, he's not that good. He's probably going to stay under four (laughs) yards per carry because that's where he usually lives. But it's, it's understandable with the potential for uh, high-end volume that you would maybe want to throw him in there as a flex option. 
You're a Packers fan, so I'll ask you this. Do, do you think there's any risk of Rodgers leaving early? Like, if he runs and slides and starts to limp, are they just going to yank him? Like, how quick the hook is the hook, do you think, if he if he shows any sort of signs of being banged up? I think it's really quick. I mean, I, I think I, – I don't know how much this, this plays into Rodgers pushing himself out there at Week 16, but I almost wonder if when you follow Brett Favre – at the position in Green Bay, if yeah. you have this extra pressure to just gut it out, right? Like a, a groin strain never would have kept Brett Favre out of a game. And, and Rodgers knows that. But does he care enough about that? Or is he smart enough where he just says, if I'm hurt, I'm hurt. And I shouldn't be out there hurt because I can get hurt worse if I'm not able to move around the way I normally can. I mean, he fully practiced on Wednesday. So I think that little tweak or whatever it was on Sunday probably wasn't that bad if he's fully practicing on Wednesday. So I think the chances of him leaving early are pretty low. I'm actually more worried about a setback with his knee knocking him out of the game as opposed to something minor. And you mentioned uh, Devontae Adams. I think I agree with you on the low percentages because there's so many big-name guys in the bigger games. But uh, don't forget, it's the same defense that gave up 170 yards and two touchdowns to DeAndre Hopkins last week. So the, the Jets can definitely be had on the back end. Oh, 100%. And I just I have so little faith in the young receivers in Green Bay right now that you yeah. just expect that that same heavy concentration of targets over these final two games from Rodgers to Adams. What about the Jets side? I think for the first time in a while, you know, some intrigue maybe on the side in DFS. You've got Elijah McGuire at 4,700 on DraftKings, 5,700 on FanDuel, uh, 20 and 21 touches the last two weeks. You've also got Robbie Anderson, 4,500 on DraftKings. Really cheap. He has uh, four, uh, 25 targets the last three weeks, 7, 7, 11. He had 96 yards and a touchdown last week against the Texans. You know, solid game script for him. It's, uh, you know, a little bit of an underdog. Over-under is pretty good at 46 compared to the rest of the slate. And I don't think the Green Bay secondary is very scary you can kind of weigh in on that but uh, do you like either of these guys in dfs or the you know maybe sliding under the radar considering they play for the jets yeah the green bay secondary is not scary i will confirm that right away <laughs> robbie anderson's the kind of player that runs right by those dbs and cashes in some big plays and it's crazy he's had at least seven targets i think in five of his last six games now scored in back-to-back games price hasn't jumped up that much with that volume kind of stretching back all the way to week seven he missed some time due to injuries do you trust Robbie Anderson as a cheap cash game receiver? I definitely like him in tournaments, but I expect everyone to kind of like him in tournaments. So you're yeah. probably eating some chalk if you're playing him in GPPs. Yeah, I think you're right. I mentioned that, you know, maybe under the radar for the Jets, but I don't think that's going to be the case with Anderson just because he is talented and so good recently. I think he'll be pretty chalky in, in GPPs. Uh, the cash game is interesting. I mean, 4,500 with those that amount of targets. And, and Sam Darnold actually said this week, you know, when I'm in trouble or scrambling or we need a big play, I look for Robbie Anderson. I love to hear that from a quarterback. So, yeah, I think at 4,500, uh, I think you can put him in a cash play, and I'll probably regret that because Robbie Anderson, it would not be the first time he's burned me in DFS. No, like he'll, he'll get eight targets, but he'll catch one because Darnold's going to be <laughs> missing him by five yards or something. I mean, it's possible, uh, but I, I just think the the setup is a very good one, and the price hasn't really reflected just how much more involved he's been over those last six games or so. I think the guy that's a little bit under the radar with the Jets is Elijah McGuire. I just think because of other cheap running backs being in better offenses, McGuire probably flies under the radar in terms of like having, I don't know, 8% ownership or something. He's 4,700 on DraftKings. He's been involved in the passing games. He's got three catches each of the last two games. Uh, total of 35 carries the last two weeks. He's a lot like Jamal Williams. Like I don't know if he's a very gifted runner, but he's just going to soak up so much volume that it's hard to look away from him at that price. Yeah, I agree with it there, and I actually wrote down, you know, it's kind of a flex play just because of the volume. The, the yards per carry have not been very good the last couple weeks, 17 for 60 and 18 for 42. Uh, pretty ugly there, but if you're going to get 20 touches at 4,700, uh, hard, uh, hard to not bring value if you do that unless you're really, really bad. But there is some other 
there are some other interesting names that are littered around that price on uh, the, that price tag. I mean, you look at Sony Michelle. We'll talk about him in a little bit. He's under five k right now. Tevin Coleman has a new backup in Brian Hill. We don't know what that means, but Atlanta, you know, facing Carolina with a backup quarterback, maybe that bumps up Tevin Coleman for their week. There's some other angles, and I think that's part of what makes Jamal Williams hard for me to buy into as a Packer fan, especially as I can get similar volume from equally limited players, and I can pay less to get it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's that's fair. And Sony Michelle is one of the one that definitely stuck out to me. So we'll, when we hit the Patriots game, we'll talk about him. Uh, moving on to the next one, uh, if you had told me that Cleveland would be an eight and a half point favorite in Week 16, I would be pretty surprised by that. They are eight and a half point favorite on the Bengals with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback over under a 45. Starting on the Cincinnati side, Joe Mixon has been fantastic the last couple of weeks. He had uh, 129 yards and two touchdowns last week against the Raiders, and kind of a uh, you know he was the chalk play on DraftKings 6100, but came through in a big way and you know showed that uh, sometimes playing the chalk can can work out. Uh, do you like Mixon this week? I actually don't like him that much this week. I, I think this game can get totally out of hand because Tyler Boyd might be joining AJ Green and Andy Dalton on the shelf for these last two weeks. So. It just makes the offense's job even more difficult. They might be really one-dimensional, which is great from a, a volume standpoint for Mixon. But I think if you're going to pay 7K for a running back, the guy you want is probably on the other side of this matchup. With the Browns being an eight-point favorite, I feel a lot better about Nick Chubb this week than I do about Mixon, even though Mixon has been outstanding each of those last two games. I mean, the Raiders are a layup matchup. He crushed because yeah. everyone crushes against the Raiders. and I, I think Mixon's a good player. I just think the Bengals' offense somehow is going to be even worse in Week 16 because of the absence of Boyd. You mentioned uh, the absence of Boyd. He didn't practice again on Thursday. Uh, 3,800 on DraftKings. Any interest in John Ross? I don't think so. I I think (laughs) it'd be GPPs only, of course, because I don't know if he would absorb all of those extra targets. Just the way they've been using him all year has been pretty frustrating. Um, So it's big field GPP only, the Hail Mary play. We talked about Michael Gallup last week, and... He's one of those guys that let me down in a very big way. I think Ross kind of fits more into that structure for me, and I almost wonder if if Boyd's out, if too many people are going to chase John Ross, and it's going to that that sort of big field GPP low own thing doesn't hold up. I mean, he's not going to be popular, but I just mean if I'm going to take a chance on someone I don't believe in, I want that player to be like two percent owned or less. Ross might get it to like right. five to seven, and that just takes away some of the appeal. Yeah, I mean, he's got, uh, you know, they're, they're big underdogs. So they can be throwing the ball a lot. Uh, he's got the big name as a former first-round pick, and, and Boyd's out. I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think the percentages on him will, will jump up a little bit. 3,800 is just so cheap, and I think people are going to jump on that thinking the targets are coming. Is there anything else in the Cincy offense you like at all before we move to the Browns? Mm, C.J. Uzoma is probably the pass catcher I'm most inclined to play on Cincinnati, and I'm probably the most inclined to play him over even, like, Mixon, just for a, a pure, like, who do you who do you trust right now? It has more to do with other running backs priced near Mixon being safer and less to do with Uzoma actually being good. But five targets last week, only caught one. Just seems like he's a guy that Driscoll looks to with that game script being where it is. I think this is another week where Uzoma has a shot at like eight to ten targets. Last time they played the Browns, like he had 12 targets, only caught six passes for 39 yards. But they're at least trying to get him the ball a lot. Yeah, I think he's a DraftKings guy for me only with the with the point the PPR. You're gonna want that. Uh, you want the volume because the yards and are a lot likely to be there. But what about the Brown side? You mentioned Nick Chubb. 
I think he'll be very popular this week going against this Bengals defense. So the Bengals are going to have 20 rushing touchdowns to running backs alone. Perfect game script. Eight and a half point favorite. Should have a lead. Should run the ball a lot. He was quiet last week until late. He had a big fourth quarter. Finally got it done. He did have 20 carries for 100 yards. Had a couple of big runs late. Um, are you? Uh, do you think Chubb is going to be as high percentage as I think he's going to be this week? Where do you think he's going to fall? Like 12%, 15%? I would take the over on 12, and I'd take the over barely on 15. Probably like 17% be my guess in tournaments. I mean, he's 100 less than Kamara. So like that, that's that's like the first thing that, that stands out to me is like if you're going to play a player right. at that range, Kamara is probably the first call. And then I think most lineups are going to jam in one of Elliott or Barkley. So I think that's maybe the thing that sort of keeps things in check with Chubb. I think it's going to be closer to 10%. Either way, you're not sneaking him through. But I think he's low enough where you can use him in tournaments. The Bengals' run defense is so bad. You mentioned the... Yeah, that's the thing. So bad. They've allowed 31.8 DraftKings points per game to running backs this season. That's just absurd. And Nick Chubb, we've seen, can get 20-plus touches with ease in a lot of matchups. This sets up to be a perfect matchup for him. Uh, So, yeah, popular a little, but not so much that I'm afraid to play him in tournaments. Yeah, I'm not really afraid to play him. I think he'll be more popular than you do, but uh, I, I just like the, the the touch plus upside is big with him. I mean, he could break a big run any time, plus he can touch the ball a lot. Um, like the game script, I, I love Nick Chubb this week. What about the passing game? Uh, Baker Mayfield is a, a great matchup here, but will he have to throw the ball in the second half? Do you like Jarvis Landry? Do you like Mayfield at all? Or you can just kind of stick him with the running game here. If I were going to throw a dart in the passing game, I think Antonio Callaway would be the cheap receiver that I like. 3,900 keeps getting targets. A lot of those come downfield. Uh, Callaway versus John Ross is kind of an interesting toss-up for this week. If you're going to play one of those sub-4K receivers in this game, who do you like better? I think I like Callaway more. I just think uh, I like Mayfield throwing him the ball more than I like Driscoll throwing the ball to Ross. You know, John Ross has only been only f- over 40 yards once all year, and Callaway has shown some flashes at the same price. I think I'd go Callaway, although the game script kind of favors Ross, but I like Callaway as a player right now. I'm a little bit more. Yeah, 5 6 1 and 7 the last four for targets, including their first meeting in Cincinnati. Four for 62 and a TD for Callaway in that one. We talked about week 13. Uh, should have scored on a really long catch, fumbled, had one called back because of a hold as well would have been another long touchdown it just seems like when Callaway gets involved it's often the the splash play and Baker Mayfield will take those shots downfield so Callaway is the guy that I'm kind of looking at as the under 4k receiver that I'm most likely to play this week yeah, I uh, I agree there. I think definitely over Ross. You just got to hope that uh, you know Cincinnati can score a little bit and keep uh, keep Cleveland throwing the second half just a little bit at least. Yeah, that's that's the fear is that this game could get completely out of control, which again is why Nick Chubb is uh, so safe to me. It seems as a, a possible uh, building block. And the other thing about this game that that worries me a little bit is is just like the Bengals may run a very slow-tempo ball control offense. I mean, they may just try to sit on the ball as long as possible, try to reduce the strain on their defense, and this this could just turn into, you know, like a 20-10 to 10 crap game, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Doesn't say much for Hugh Jackson that uh, they, they were like the worst team ever. He got fired, and they're actually, the, the Browns are pretty decent now. And the Bengals have been one of the worst teams ever since he <laughs> was hired as an advisor to go there. Uh, does Marvin Lewis survive this year again? I, I, what are the terms of his contract that he, he signed? I, I, apparently, apparently forever. Yeah, because we all thought he was gone at the end of last season. I, it, I I think they may promote him to like some kind of front office role or 
something something else in the organization, and then I don't know if that means Hughes their guy again or what the heck they're going to do. But I don't think Marvin Lewis is coaching the Bengals in 2019. Uh, I don't think so either, but I think I've said that seven years in a row, so I should probably not make predictions on Marvin Lewis anymore. It's like betting against Frank Gore. <laughs> don't do that. No, don't don't bet against Frank Gore. Although he's finally finally hurt and finally out. I know it sucks. I love Frank Gore, so I hated to see that. But uh, Tampa Bay at Dallas is our next game. Dallas favored by seven and a half, um, coming off being shut out as you mentioned against the Colts. Over under this game is forty six and a half. One of the higher totals, uh, one of the higher non Steelers Saints totals. On the Tampa Bay side, not a ton that I like here. Maybe Mike Evans. He was really good against the Ravens last week, which is impressive. Four for 121. He seems very boomer bust, but he doesn't have seven games over 100 yards. So when he when he goes off, he really does really well. Only two touchdowns last 11 weeks, though. He's not been scoring touchdowns to put up with those yards. Uh, Dallas has only is, has been good against the pass game. Only allowed one wide receiver over 85 yards since week five. T.Y. Hilton did have exactly 85 last week. But uh, what are you doing with the Tampa Bay offense here? They seem like they've kind of slowed down a little bit. Jameis Winston struggled a little bit last week. Uh, any interest in anybody on the Bucks? It is Mike Evans. It's only in tournaments. I love that he's still priced down. He produced in a pretty tough matchup last week. The Ravens have been one of the past yeah. best pass defenses in the league all season long. Four for 121 on nine targets is a great outcome there. But at this price, I mean, yeah, he's going to catch a lot of Byron Jones, but Mike Evans is is just a, a beast. He's 6'5", 230. I mean, it, things that work in coverage against most receivers don't necessarily work against him. I think Evans is that guy that Jameis always wants to lean on. You see high volumes of targets, even if he's only going to pull in half of them, it might be enough for him to, to kind of break a tournament this week. He always has that kind of ceiling. We've seen uh, several 20-plus point games this season, had that run with Fitz at the beginning of the year. Uh, he's gone over 30 DraftKings points on two occasions already. Um, so I do like Evans a lot as a tournament play. I'm not really into the secondary receivers, Humphreys and Godwin. Not really looking at Brait for any purposes. I, I don't want to deal with Peyton Barber this week either, and I'm not playing Jameis at his price either. So it's kind of Evans or bust, and it's tournaments only if I use him. So on the Dallas side, you see the uh, Ezekiel Elliott fumble uh, ruling today? No, no, I did not see what, what's going on with that. So he uh, he they they ruled he had fumbled at the end of the game and the NFL changed the ruling today. I guess they the Cowboys got stopped on fourth down and he was actually down. He didn't fumble. So they changed the ruling today. So every fantasy league, uh, apparently a lot of them had to go back and take uh, add two points to Zeke's stats. So it's uh, affecting a lot of championship games. It's uh, kind of creating chaos in fantasy leagues at the moment. Oh, my. Well, that doesn't help anybody in DFS, though, because they once those are final, no. those are final. So. That's crazy, though. How mad would you be if, if that oh. if that change knocked you out of a championship? I don't uh, I don't know what the stat correction was last week, but in the in the fan duel, they had the big uh, fan championship. There was actually a stat correction that took the team in second place into first for a million bucks. I don't know what the stat correction was. I just know that they had they were waiting on it. Oh, I mean, I really can't imagine that level. But I'm just thinking about like the the situations I've been in where we're talking like maybe a three figure payout or something. You, you go from like fifty to two hundred or something like that. That would that would bother me like that. And <laughs> I mean, from what probably a million to like three hundred k or something for second place. I I think it was either three or four. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a oh, big difference. Oh man, I would just be beside myself if if, if something worked against me and cost me that much money. As always, don't look at your standings until the games are all over is my mantra. You've got to do Yeah, I mean, Jim Coventry is kind of the expert on uh, on the Rotowire staff about that. He says he just refuses to look all day until the very last game is over, which 
probably makes for uh, a better Sunday experience. It makes for more fun watching games, that's for sure. I do the same thing for most part. But the Cowboys offense here, uh, we've got Zeke, 9,000 on DraftKings, 8,800 on FanDuel. Nice game script, 7.5-point favorites on the Bucks. Obviously, the Bucks have had defensive issues all year. They've been a little bit better lately, but they've allowed 100, uh, 100 rush yards to other teams in nine straight games. They've allowed a 100-yard individual rusher in four of the last five games. Uh, I guess the question isn't if you if you like Zeke this much, but how much do you like him? I think he's an essential building block this week. Um, I, I I think part of that's just the uncertainty with Gurley's knee and, and McCaffrey's volume. So I think that's what kind of steers me to have heavy Zeke exposure. 17 rushing TDs allowed by the Bucks defense, 16 carries of 20-plus yards, 4.8 yards per carry. I mean, this is a spot where Zeke should pile up 140-plus yards on the ground, whatever he gets in the passing game, could score multiple times. I think we're looking at like a 30-point day from Ezekiel Elliott. I was surprised he's actually 8,800. under 9,000 on FanDuel. I think he's going to be very popular there. I think he'll be the most owned running back, probably on both sites. Anybody else in this offense you like? Uh, you can have Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, he had that one huge game. Then he went 206 yards, no touchdowns last week. I just He's over 200 yards, I think, once all year. Hasn't topped two TD passes. It's just... Uh, it's rough on the on the pass side in there, but do you like Amari Cooper this week? Obviously, a little bit quiet last week after the huge blow up game. Uh, what do you think about him going against this Bucks defense? I'm okay with Cooper. I think the price has ticked up enough where I'm looking elsewhere. Uh, but if if someone said, "Yeah, I want to go back to the well on Cooper," by all means, go for it. I think the the interest for me is still in Michael Gallup in the passing game. I think with with Dak, you know, he's been taking those shots at Gallup. The donut last week is going to probably push a lot of people away. I think he gets closer to like six or seven targets again this week, and he can he can turn that into a pretty significant output at thirty five hundred on DK and five thousand flat on FanDuel. So he remains in my my big field tournament considerations. I look to round out a roster, uh, but I'm not playing Dak himself. If I were doing it, it'd be because I have ten different tournament lineups, and I'd have one where he's in it, and I'd probably stack him with Gallup or something just to do something totally different. But I'm not making ten lineups this week, so no Dak for me. And I said over over 190 yards once all year. I actually met over 290 yards once all year. But uh, yeah, Gallup was weird last week. He had six, seven, and nine targets. He had z- he not only had zero catches last week. He had zero targets and 55 snaps played. Doesn't make any sense. Dak's actually averaging 28, 21.8 DraftKings points per game at home, over eight yards per attempt. He's got a 13 to three touchdown to interception ratio. So you can do it. But if you're going to start saving money at quarterback. Why wouldn't you save an extra thousand and just go down to Foles? I don't think there's that much of a difference in the projection with Foles and Dak this week. So you might as well save the money. Yeah, Dak's just not someone I want in a game the Cowboys are favored. They tend to uh, they tend to lean on the rush game if they're ahead a big time in the second half. And I think that ends up being the case this week. Could definitely see it playing out that way. Uh, any any love for uh, Blake Jarwin? Seven targets in each of the last two weeks. If you're looking to save a bunch of money, three thousand on DraftKings. Is he a, a punt tight end that you're interested in? You know, he probably is the the reason why Les went to Gallup, right? Those targets had to be shifted somewhere, but I yep. I don't want to invest in Blake Jarwin. Uh, I think uh, if I need to save money, I don't I don't hate it. Um, there's other tight ends I think I like more, but uh, I like targets for that amount of uh, that amount of cheapness. So uh, I think I might slide him into one lineup. What about the Cowboys' uh, defense? Uh, you know, last week and in, interesting in, in DFS, a lot of games were decided on defense. Uh, Tennessee had a huge game. 
that the Falcons were huge on, on the Sunday main slate uh, for a lot of teams. Do you like the Cowboys defense at all this week? 2,600 on DraftKings going against Jameis. I do. Jameis gets sacked a lot, is prone to turnovers, and Dallas has a great pass rush. So it checks all the boxes, and if you can afford it, 2,600 is not bad on DraftKings. I think Dallas ends up being pretty popular this week, but I think it's a good popular defense, and there's a handful of alternatives around that same price point. So it's not going to be ridiculous chalk, but I think they're going to be the cheaper defense that a lot of people turn to. Yeah, they're under 4,000 on FanDuel, so I think they'll be pretty popular there, too. There's a lot of the uh, popular defenses are, are, are significantly over 4,000 this week, so I think that they're a, uh, a pretty good play on FanDuel. Also, uh, Minnesota headed to Detroit. Minnesota fared by six, over under 43.5, and, and the Vikings were interesting last week. You could tell that uh, you know they've been struggling, and they kind of shifted towards running the ball a lot. Uh, I think Cousins only had 21 attempts last week. Dalvin Cook looked fantastic. That uh, that spin move and then cut to the right might have been my favorite touchdown run of the season. Uh, what are you doing with the Minnesota offense this week? It scares me a little bit just because I, I don't think Detroit can do a whole lot to counter and put points on the board against Minnesota's defense. So Dalvin Cook's the play that I actually like the absolute most of the bunch, which it's, again, it's a weird running back week. There's about seven running backs I would think about. So maybe you can peel away from two of Zeke and Barkley play one and then go down to Kamara Chubb or, or Dalvin Cook as you fill out the second and, and the flex spots. Dalvin Cook just looks good and he looks healthy again. The Lions aren't as porous against the run as they were to begin the season, but they're still not great. Cook gets involved as a pass catcher. You know, the implied total is favorable. The game script as far as them being favorites is favorable. So I think with Cook, he looks like the easy call with Minnesota. The tricky thing is that you can get a discount on Thielen right now. You know, he's 7,800 yep. compared to where he was earlier in the year. That's pretty nice. Do you see this being the actual get well game, though, from a high volume perspective? Or do you just think it's it's a little bit of a trap having him at that lower price? It's tough. Uh, I, I like him. I just I just wonder if they I don't I don't trust Detroit or Stafford to be able to score enough points on the Minnesota defense to really keep them throwing the whole game. But. You know, when you get a you get a stud like that, we've talked about it a few times in the past. You get studs like that under eight thousand. Uh, you know, that's usually the time to play them. But one one hundred yard game the last six weeks after he had that huge stretch to start the year, um, he only had twenty two yards against the Lions the first game, so that's a little bit concerning there too. And the volume's down. You know, he had uh, he had nine targets the last two weeks. Uh, it's just. Uh, a little bit concerning about how they're running this offense at the moment. They don't seem to be looking to theme like they were the first six or eight weeks, and I think maybe they've decided to shift to the run defense to get later in the run offense to get later in the season. Yeah, that seems like it's it's Mike Zimmer's prerogative too, which is another reason why I like Delvin Cook. So you look at the prices on Thielen and Diggs; they're absolutely in play. I just think my interest lies more with playing Delvin Cook. I don't really think I'm doing anything with Kirk Cousins this week. It comes down to the Lions not really being good enough to make things interesting for Minnesota's offense. Yeah. Do you think Cook is uh, popular or very popular? Um, I would say he probably comes in in the mid-teens, probably like 15% ownership this week. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think we're in the same range there. Uh, on the Lions, anybody besides Kenny Galladay that you're remotely interested in playing? Nope, and Galladay is tournaments only. I mean, probably catches a lot of Xavier Rhodes. He did a great job against Tredavious White last week. Yeah, uh, big, that was impressive. Big size mismatch there, too, which definitely favored Galladay. Um, so a little more even in terms of how things stack up this week. And, you know, Minnesota, I think, defensively can can scheme, double-team Kenny Galladay and get away with it. I just think the Lions are so banged up, so depleted in terms of quality depth in that receiving core right now. You're not worried about Bruce Ellington and TJ Jones and the clowns they've got out there with Galladay beating you. So <laughs> I, I think they're going to find a way to slow Kenny Galladay down 
for the second time this season. Matthew Stafford has three touchdowns the last five weeks combined. Yeah, he's um, he's well on his way to becoming the new Eli, isn't he? Uh, he's kind of taken that path. It's It's been a lot quieter than the Eli uh, hate has been, but uh, Stafford has one game all year with more than two touchdowns. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. Stafford being drafted by the Lions instead of a team like the Giants is a blessing, though. I mean, like you're, you're just not going to get that same hate in Detroit that you'd get For in New sure. York. No doubt there. Uh, Buffalo headed to New England next. Uh, New England fared by 13 points this game, over under a 45 on the Buffalo side, we talked about Robert Foster last week. He had another big game, 100 yards. He has 80-plus yards in four of his last five games and kind of out of nowhere, too. I mean, nobody knew who the guy was before that. Uh, a game that sets up well for someone like him. they got to throw the ball the whole second half. Uh, he's only had over five targets once, but he's kind of that guy that hits the big plays. Um, if you're looking to save a little money, he's under 5,000 on DraftKings. You like Foster this week in a game that should set up game flow-wise pretty well for him. Yeah, I would assume seven or eight targets are going his way because Josh Allen's going to have to throw more than he wants to with the Bills being basically two touchdown underdogs in New England. I think Foster and, and Zay Jones, to an extent, are, are kind of interesting as cheaper options. I think Foster's going to be a lot more popular because of that big playability. But if you can only fit in one of Foster and Robbie Anderson, even with Anderson potentially being two or three times as, as heavily owned, are you more interested in Anderson at 400 less by comparison? I think I am. I can I can see the case for both, but I, I like the setup a little more for Anderson right now, I think. Okay. that's. I mean, with Foster, you're, you're still relying on a guy who might not be very good at throwing footballs. You can throw him yep. far, but... Is, is he accurate? Is he making good reads? I think that's still a fair question that we have to keep in mind when we're looking at Bill's receivers and trying to evaluate them with Josh Allen being the quarterback. So on the Patriots side, you know, a pretty good implied total on them, you know, being the big favorites in this game. Uh, obviously, the news out this morning that Josh Gordon was taking time away or J- yeah, Josh Gordon was taking time away from the team. Um, so it kind of helps out uh, in a fancy wise, helps out Edelman a little bit, helps out Gronk, probably helps out James White a little bit, too. I think that he may get back in the uh, receiving mix a little more now with Gordon out. What are you doing with this Patriots offense? Uh, Tom Brady, you know, still only one touchdown last week at the Steelers. You know, that was a spot that I really thought he was going to break out a little bit. He had that one good game against Miami, but hasn't been a huge fantasy guy. He's under 6,000 on DraftKings, but you mentioned Sony Michelle. What, what the heck do you do with the Patriots offense this week? I think you can do something with Brady and Edelman. Edelman's going to be somewhat popular. Brady probably going to go back down in ownership after last week. And with that big shootout with the Saints and Steelers kind of lined up, Still under 6K, it almost feels like the DraftKings pricing on Brady is a lot like the general opinion on Brady, where, yeah, the ceiling's not as high as it used to be, but I think everyone's underestimating what he's still capable of a little bit. I certainly liked him more with Gordon as part of that suite of weapons. Gronk doesn't look like himself right now, but he's got a healthy Edelman. He had a nice rapport with Philip Dorsett earlier in the season. I think Dorsett ends up getting on the field a lot more in Gordon's absence, we'll see a little more Chris Hogan, too. But, I mean, as we all remember, when Chris Hogan was playing a ton to begin the year with Edelman suspended and before they traded for Gordon, he wasn't getting that many targets. So it could be a little more spread the ball around. You mentioned James White. He's been pretty quiet the last few weeks. I could see them making him a priority again. He had a lot of catches in the first meeting against Buffalo earlier this season. Uh, I think I'm, I'm looking either Brady Edelman together, maybe Dorsett as a standalone tournament play, or Sony Michelle as a tournament play as my three preferred ways to attack New England's offense this week. 
Yeah, I think there's other offenses I like more. I don't think I'm going to play Brady, but I could see Edelman standalone for me. Uh, I like Sony Michelle a lot. You mentioned him at 4,900 on DraftKings. He's up he's 6,800 on FanDuel, so probably not a play for me there. But he kind of feels like a guy who might you know, just fit in this game script perfectly. I know he only had 13 touches last week, but this is a different game. This is a game they should be ahead pretty pretty comfortably in the second half. You know, If it goes as we kind of think it's going to go, you never know. But 13-point uh, spread certainly points that way. I think that Sony Michelle. Uh, maybe slides under the radar this week. I don't think a lot of I think a lot of people are over him. A lot of people are like ah, Patriots running backs don't want to touch him. Um, I think Michelle's a, a really good play this week and one that I don't think will be very popular. Right. We talked about McGuire and, and Jamal Williams earlier and, and Marlon Mack yeah. being at fifty five hundred. You can reach him. I mean, Lamar Miller, if he plays, is only five thousand. And people are going to like him in that matchup against Philly. I think people are on Tevin Coleman this week. There's a lot of other guys within a few hundred dollars of 5k that are going to be more popular. And I think Sony Michelle ends up cruising by at like four to 5% ownership rate, if not a little bit less. Yeah. I really like him as a play this week. I think that you need the game flow to kind of flow as we think it's going to, but if it does, I can see a lot of production, maybe a couple touchdowns in the second half. Yeah. That, that's what you're hoping for, right? It's like 20 carries a hundred yards, two touchdowns and under 5k. That's, that's a huge, huge win. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty significant flex guy for me. I think he's going to be in a lot of my flex spots on DraftKings. Yep. it's uh, The only thing that would keep him, I guess, in a running back spot for me is if I have a late afternoon guy or something, but I'm with you. He's, he's that third running back that I really want in tournaments. Yeah, me too there. Uh, moving to the next one, Atlanta at Carolina. Uh, this spread went from Carolina minus 2.5 to Atlanta minus 3.5 just on the Cam Newton news, so a big move there. Uh, Over-under is 43.5, pretty low for a game. That, that actually went down four points with the Cam News, too, so it affected both the line and the total. Uh, Atlanta on the road, you know, it's, it's the same old thing. They have 20 points per game on the road, 29.5 at home, so they definitely don't play as well on the road. Uh, last week, Matt Ryan was the best quarterback ever. He had two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. He was the only quarterback with three touchdowns total last week. Uh, what do you do with them this week, uh, going back on the road outdoors at Carolina? Matt Ryan, I think, is going to be ignored this week like they're just gonna be yeah i do too he's gonna be a total afterthought loses about four and a half points per game when he goes on the road in terms of his DraftKings average this season so you do have to account for that he is 6100 so he's priced closer to the likes of breeze and roethlisberger four to six hundred dollars behind those two guys i mean i think what people are going to do if you're paying 6100 looking at paying 6100 for ryan you're going to pay an extra hundred for andrew luck at home against the giants right so yeah. I, I understand why people are staying away from him. I'm probably not going to build lineups around him. Julio's got that hip injury. I'm a little worried about that. Uh, he's going to go through the walkthrough Thursday, not going to participate in practice. That probably happened by now. It's recording uh, late afternoon. But I'm a little worried about Julio getting shut down or being limited or leaving early. So if Julio's not out there ugh, on the road against pretty good physical corners in Carolina, that doesn't seem like a great spot really for you know, Mohamed Sanu and, and Kelvin Ridley. The extra targets are nice, but Ridley's still 5,100, so you're not getting a crazy discount on him, and there's still quite a bit of uncertainty about how effective the offense will be. I think the player I actually want in this game is Austin Hooper. You know, like As long as he's healthy enough to play, he's dealing with knee and ankle injuries, um, he's the kind of guy that, at a very low price against one of the league's worst defenses against tight ends, could put up a monster week. 
he was a weird guy last week too. I mean, he had been really getting five, six targets every week. He had one target last target week. Last just week. Uh, I guess a lot of that's game flow, and they were killing, killing Arizona the whole game. But you know, Ryan still threw, and Julio still did well. It was just it's odd when Austin Hooper every once in a while has those weird games. But you, you gotta like to bounce back this week and, and think he's gonna be pretty involved. Yeah, it's probably five or six targets, kind of as the the likely range. Yeah. If Julio's out, you could scale that up a bit. He's only thirty seven hundred on DK, uh, so definitely a tournament tight end I'd think about. Uh, Tevin Coleman's 4,800 on DraftKings. We've talked about a number of guys in that range. I think I like the other guys we've talked about more. Uh, Ito Smith being out helps, though. I think that's going to bump his percentage up a little bit, too. He doesn't have to worry about sharing carries there. He's got uh, you know no backup there that we're really too concerned about. He was really good last week, 11 for 145 and a touchdown. But it still seems odd to me in a game like that. They were leading by so much. He still only had 11 touches. And there's some reports out of Atlanta. They want to get Brian Hill involved. He's like another. He's like the next Ito. 6-1-2-19, different kind of back, but uh, a fifth-rounder in 2017, a guy that hasn't really had chances to play. If you're a team like the Falcons looking to the future, you do want to evaluate depth guys. So if you think you already know what Tevin Coleman is for your future, getting Hill involved, at least in a timeshare, is something they could do. So I think I'm definitely less interested in Tevin Coleman than uh, most people. And I'm basing this off of projected ownership rates that I've seen on Tevin Coleman, which are like 15-plus percent. I... I'd, I don't see it this week. I I do not I do not see Tevin Coleman as particularly safe because even last week as you said, he had 11 touches. Did a lot with them, but there's a lot of downside based on the way they've been using him. Brian Hill uh, had a couple of monster DFS games in college for me at Wyoming. That's uh, like I was a stud in college. 3K this week on DraftKings. I mean, he could be he could be <laughs> one of those guys that in week 17 we're excited about because yeah. If they, no if they split carries this week and then they, you know, Coleman tweaks an ankle or something, suddenly Brian Hill gets 20 touches in the final game of the season. And that's a good segue. You and I talked before. We are going to do a week 17 podcast, so definitely tune into that. It'll be a it'll be a fun one with some guys all over the place, but we will try and try and figure out who's going to be good in that uh, in that week when everybody sits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as far as the Carolina side of this game, we talked about Christian McCaffrey at the top. I'm trying to stay away from him, which could be a big mistake, but just think there's more reasons to not use him that much if you're Carolina than there are reasons to force your hand and, and just go crazy with the usage. I'm not making a, a, a shower beer lineup with Taylor Heineke. That's not going to happen. He's, he's 4K, he's, you know, minimum on both sites. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going down that path. I know he can run a little bit. Uh, the receivers, DJ Moore, you know, Curtis Samuel, yeah, they're they're great after the catch, but like, why expose yourself to this situation if you don't have to. There's so many other good plays, even that are going to be low-owned tournament plays. Why bother, right? I mean, maybe Ian Thomas, who was the backup tight end for most of the season, maybe he has some rapport with Heineke or something like that, but I, I just don't see many paths for investing in Carolina's offense this week. Yeah, I agree there. I, I don't love the Atlanta defense, obviously, but I think with you know a 12-game full slate, I just don't think there's any reason for me to force the Panthers right now. There's just, they're just too much unknown for me. Yeah, so easy easy team to avoid. Next, we have the Giants headed to Indianapolis. Indy is favored by 10 over under of 47. Looks like the highest over under aside from the, the, Steelers Saints, the Steelers Saints game we already discussed. 
On the Giants' side, uh, Odell Beckham did not practice today or on Wednesday, so he's looking a little more doubtful than he did maybe earlier in the week. He says he wants to play, but I'm not totally sure I'm buying that. I'm not totally sure what his uh, interest in playing at the moment is. But with him out, you know, Evan Ingram had 12 targets last week. And nice again if, if OBJ sits. He's 4,600 on DraftKings. Uh, might be my favorite tight end this week if, if Beckham does not play. Yeah, we saw it last year when Beckham was out. Ingram's opportunities go way up. He's not like a normal tight end. He's kind of this hybrid that is a mismatch nightmare, is a big guy that runs well. So I would look at Ingram as a great play if Beckham's ruled out. I don't see – it's another situation. It's like even if Beckham wants to play, why would you put him out there if you're the Giants? Just yeah. let him rest. It's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, Eight-plus targets seem very safe for Ingram at this point. I don't want Barkley and Ingram in the same offense because – or in the same lineup because no. this offense is so lightly projected. Their implied total is like 19. So in lineups where you don't have Barkley, if you're fading him because you think he's going to be very chalky at 7,900 on DraftKings, which he will be, Ingram's a way to get exposure to the Giants, to get a lot of volume at a fair price on DraftKings. Um, but you know, you're, you're still you're still kind of like worried because you're hitching your wagon to Eli Manning not being terrible. <laughs> Uh, and everything I've seen uh, the last few weeks uh, would lead me to think that he is terrible. So what do you do with Barkley then? If they uh, this game script, they're minus ten or they're plus ten. I guess the Colts are favored by ten. Do you do you play Barkley? I mean, he finally had a rough game last week, thirty-one yards rushing, twenty-five receiving uh, at the worst possible time, by the way, for my uh, NFFC team. But uh, beside the point, Colts haven't allowed a hundred-yard rusher all year long. Zeke had eighty-seven yards against them last week on the ground. Uh, maybe a lot of receptions to try and catch up. So maybe he becomes an interesting DK play, especially under 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 eight thousand there. Yeah, I mean, he's been over 20 DK points almost every game this season. It's kind of crazy looking at his right. game log. And he's had some games when the Giants have struggled, and he's still been really good. He gets involved in the passing game with high volume. Without Beckham, I expect that to continue. Still had 10 targets last week. Titans are a good defense, too. I mean, like that's that's part of the, the takeaway for me with, with Saquon Barkley finally having a game where he was pretty quiet. Uh, but I think you're looking at another 18 to 25 touches, 18 was last week's floor. I mean, most weeks, if you give Saquon Barkley 18 touches, he's probably getting you 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, And that's with room for a lot more. So I think at the discounted price on DK especially, I like him a lot. My question for you is, do you want to, instead of having him in every lineup, do you want to be a little <laughs> underweight on Saquon Barkley with the expectation that he could be just as highly owned as Zeke, if not slightly higher owned because of the discount? Yeah, I'm not too worried about percentage with him. I think that uh, I'm going to slide him as many lineups as I, I think I can. But, you know, I'll mix him around a little bit. I tend to not use uh, guys in every lineup. But I like the I like starting with, a, you know, Saquon Chubb kind of thing and saving a little money off Zeke and maybe going with uh, with that and kind of moving forward. But I need, I need to build it together. But uh, I think at under 8,000, I'll have a lot of Barkley, and I'm not going to shy away from that. Yeah, Saquon Chubb, Saquon Kamara. I mean, yep. Elliot Saquon, Elliot Kamara, th- those combos – are very enticing, especially when you can get uh, such interesting flex running backs as we've been talking about throughout the episode. So on the Colts side, you mentioned flex running backs. Marlon Mack was a monster last week against the Cowboys. Uh, 27 carries, 139 yards, two touchdowns. Kind of out of nowhere. He only had 23 touches total the two weeks before that, but the Colts got up in that game. Their defense was great, and they just kept running the ball. Uh, so the game script was really nice. Uh, Derrick Henry had 33 carries for 170 yards and two touchdowns on the Giants last week. So uh, how do you feel about Mack this week, coming in uh, knowing the Giants' defense is struggling and he's, uh, he's, off, he's off a big week? I feel great about it uh, since – since the uh, Damon Harrison trade, the Giants have given up the third most points to opposing running backs. It's a great opportunity for Mac to go crazy again. 
we've seen a couple big games from him earlier in the year. I think the volume is going to be there again this week. I don't really see the Giants opening up a big lead and, and getting Naheem Hines on the field a ton. So as long as Mac doesn't have any sort of you know, injury problems throughout this game, I, I think he runs wild again. They, uh, they're clearly kind of pulling back on T.Y. Hilton's snaps. He only played 41 snaps last week, but he's on a great roll right now. Last five games are 155, 125, 77, 199, 85, eight-plus targets in every, in every game. So when he is on the field, they're throwing it to him. Uh, he's 7,100 on DraftKings, pretty well-priced. Luck is 6,200. Do you see them as maybe kind of an alternative stack if you wanted to go away from the Steelers-States game and kind of go uh, against the grain a little bit? Yeah, I think you could do that. I almost wonder if Hilton ends up being kind of low-owned. His ankle seems like it's a legitimate problem. You mentioned the snap yeah. kind of dropping off a little bit. I could see people getting pretty risk-averse with him because of the way the price is ticked up and, and the way the rest of the board sets up. What about uh, Eric Ebron this week? He was uh, he was kind of the chalk guy last week and just terrible game. Three targets, one care, one catch for eight yards. You know, the Colts just ran the ball, as we mentioned earlier. Game flow could hurt him again, though. They should be up in this game. Uh, what do you do with Ebron? He's obviously the red zone guy and important there for them, but you know, 31 targets, three games before that. Do you, you see a bounce back this week, or are you a little worried with the game script? No, definitely I see a bounce back. I mean, I, I think... The Giants have so many flaws defensively. You know They're not horrible against tight ends. They're certainly not good against tight ends either. And if you have a compromised Hilton, even if Luck throws it only 30 times this week, Hilton gets maybe 10, 12 targets. Ebron probably gets 10 or 12. And then the other pieces make up the rest of that. I, th- I think he's still a focal point of that passing attack so long as Jack Doyle is out. And since he's on IR, that's the rest of the season. So I'm looking at Ebron. I'm looking for a bounce back this week. You think he's uh, significantly less popular off the uh, off the really bad week? You know, I, I don't think so. I think it, it's kind of a strange week. I, I don't know how much people are going to be afraid of George Kittle. I, I wonder if people are souring on Zach Ertz with Foles at quarterback a little bit. Prices down there. It seems like people are down on Gronk after the big game against Miami, just kind of quiet against the Steelers. So I, I think the ownership rates on those big four are going to be kind of similar where people are interested in all of them, but... No one of those four seem like they're going to go through the roof as far as the interest this week goes. Yeah, I think I agree there. I think uh, maybe a little bit lower, but not uh, not low percentage by any means. Any interest in the Colts defense? 3,300 on DK, a little bit priced up. 4,500 on FanDuel. They have 11 sacks last three weeks. They did shut out Dallas last week. They've allowed 320 total yards, uh, less than that in the last five weeks. So really playing well. Got to like Eli, you know, making a couple mistakes in the second half if they have a big lead. Uh, do you think the Colts' defense can uh, can go off this week? They can. I haven't found a way to have enough money left over for them, so they just kind of missed the cut for me because of budget reasons. We talked a lot about the the Saint Steelers game, and you know, kind of getting Breezer Breezer Roethlisberger in. If I'm going a uh, a kind of a, a way away from that, I'm going a stack out of that side of the game. I really like the Deshaun Watson DeAndre Hopkins stack in this next game. Houston at Philadelphia. Philadelphia fared by one over under a 45. Uh, Deshaun Watson is finally throwing the ball a little bit more. He had six straight weeks of 25 or fewer attempts. Last three weeks have been 31, 38, and 28. So really they're throwing the ball a little bit more. They're kind of opening it up a little bit more now that he's healthy again. Uh, he hasn't uh, he hasn't topped 300 yards since week five, but this 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 Eagles secondary is really struggling. Uh, even Goff last week, you know, he's been bad. But he had 339 yards even though he didn't throw a touchdown. Dak went crazy against the week before that, as we've mentioned many times. They've allowed 295-plus yards passing in four of the last five games. I think Watson comes in very low percent this week, 6,600 on DraftKings, with all the attention to Breeze and Roethlisberger. I think he's a really good play this week at a low percentage. Yeah, he was one of the quarterbacks I wrote up for GPPs. I, I think you're exactly right. It's just the way he's sandwiched in between 
Breeze and Roethlisberger price ri- price wise, and uh, the attempts are something people generally worry about. But this game of of the games that are kind of middle of the pack in terms of over under, this one is the one where I'd be most likely to bet the over. And with that, I do want a combination uh, of Eagles and Texans together. Uh, pairing him with Hopkins, I think you get low on Hopkins as well. So you could put those two together, have some of the uh, chalky discounted plays elsewhere, and you know, kind of fill in the middle part of your roster as you see fit. But I think there's a really good case for Watson this week, especially against the Eagles' terrible secondary. Yeah, Watson, uh, Watson Hopkins, my favorite stack of the week, uh, especially getting off the uh, the high percentage Steelers and Saints. I'll still have some of them, but I uh, I love what you could do with these two guys if you want to go low percentage. And DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, so amazingly consistent. He has 75 yards or a touchdown every single game all year. He's been under 50 yards once all year. I mean, that's crazy for a wide receiver. Yeah, Hopkins and, and Devontae Adams, I think, sometimes don't get enough yep. credit for their consistency from week to week. And obviously, Amari Cooper went crazy on them a couple weeks ago, so they can uh, they can be had in the back end. You mentioned Foles on the Eagles side, 4700 priced really well. If you're to play him, uh, do you stack him with Alshon Jeffrey, who had the big game last week? Do you go to Zach Ertz? What do you do as kind of a combo if you want to put someone with Foles? You know, I think it's Jeffrey in cash especially, and I think you can play Jeffrey in tournaments if you want to. I might be more inclined to go Ertz in tournaments this week because I think you'll get lower ownership than usual. It's not going to crater, but there's this idea that Ertz isn't going to be as productive with Foles. He's got 15 targets the last two games. He's still one of their easiest guys to throw to. I just I have a hard time believing he's going to disappear completely. We know he's a tight end that can get into the high teens, low 20s with the volume he gets most weeks. And we've seen insane games like that Dallas one where he got up over 40 back in week 10. So I think the angle for me is Foles with Jeffrey first. It's a $10,000 stack that you like quite a bit. And then Foles with Ertz as like a slight pivot for tournaments. Yeah, I mean, this is the back end of the Houston defense, too. I mean, kind of quietly giving it up right lately. Uh, Robbie Anderson had 7 for 96 last week. Uh, Hilton had a buck 99 the week before that. And then even the week before that, uh, Jarvis Landry, Rashad Higgins, and Antonio Calloway all had over 60 yards in, in week 13. So they've been, they've been really giving it up to receivers the last three weeks. Kind of middle of the pack over the last eight or so now. And I think if you look at tight ends, they've been pretty vulnerable to tight ends. Tight ends are putting up 17 DraftKings points per game against the Texans since week eight. So only the Raiders, Jags, Cowboys, Broncos, and Browns have been worse. Next, we have the the real stinker game of the day. Jacksonville at Miami, the one game that has over under under 40. It's 39 and a half. Um, I guess I'll just kind of go with the summary. Is there anybody on either side that you're you know really playing? You know, Maybe some tournament stabs here and there. Is there anybody that you really are interested in playing on this game? I would love Leonard Fournette, just as I did last week, if we knew he was going uh. to get volume. But the price is down. And I just don't trust it. I don't know if they're trying to keep him from making his ongoing ankle issues worse or what exactly they're doing, kind of looking to the future. So if it's a timeshare, 6K, yeah, maybe in a tournament you could throw one dart, but I'm probably not doing it. Kalen Bellage and Kenyon Drake are both under 4K. Bellage probably moves into the Frank Gore role, and having fresh legs at this point in the season, he might kind of thrive in that spot. So I think in tournaments you could think about him as a cheap flex. It kind of opens up. A lot of extra salary elsewhere if you go another thousand or so below the other flex options we've talked about. Um, but I don't think it's a, a must play sort of thing. The Jags are a train wreck. I mean, I, I don't I really don't want to have shares of this game, but I think that's the general feeling. And you're probably getting very low owned players if you want to pick your spots carefully. So Fournette last week, just because you brought it up, he had 10 rushes in the first half, didn't do very much with it, but then came out and 
They wanted to take a look at David Williams, apparently. Fournette had one carry in the second half. It was a 25-yard carry in like kind of late in the fourth quarter, but what the heck was that? I mean, that was just a weird out-of-nowhere situation where, you know, where David Williams wasn't going to look at him. It was just so odd. That was a frustrating one because I thought Fournette was a pretty good spot last week. Do you think it's possible that they just made that up and there was something else going on they didn't want to tell people and that there's this chance that Leonard Fournette comes out and gets 20 touches against Miami at a low price? It's so weird that that was the that was the thought I had too. I mean, it's not like you know David Williams, some guy that you really want to get a look at. But I just don't trust this offense. You mentioned Kalen Balaj is probably the only guy I'm interested in too, just because he's so cheap. But you know, everybody on Twitter last week when Frank Gore got hurt, oh, finally Kenyon Drake, time to roll. He had four touches after after Frank Gore left. I have no idea, but they do not like Kenyon Drake. No, they don't like Kenyon Drake. The Jags seemingly don't like Leonard Fournette anymore. I almost kind of wonder if Fournette's going to get traded this off season. Yeah, it was a, that was a weird situation. A game I had a bunch of Fournette in uh, in DraftKings. He was it was it was I thought I liked the price there, but he was uh, he was a huge letdown last week. And I'm just uh, I'm just staying away from both these offenses. So I will uh, I will move on. Moving to the one o'clock games, we already met, we already talked about Pittsburgh and New Orleans. There are two other one o'clock games. The Bears headed to my 49ers uh, off two straight wins. They have officially blown the uh, the Nick Bosa sweepstakes, which is uh, probably not the best idea, but. Uh, you know the 49ers have five turnovers forced the entire season on defense? That's remarkably low. Tampa Bay was down there with five. them for a while. I mean, like Tampa Bay had one interception through, I want to say, eight or nine games. I haven't, well, I haven't looked at that number recently. I'll have to check it again. The, but. For, the, the 49ers have two through 14 weeks, so I, I can't imagine it's worse than that. It's not quite that bad anymore, but it was it was bad <laughs> for a long time. They have, they have eight picks now because... Oh, there you go. Somebody went in there and threw four. So, you know, good for them. Um, the 49ers have forced one turnover at home all season. It seems impossible. Like, you just deflections it, it, like, and things does, that... How does someone not, not fumble more than a couple, more than once all year? Yeah, like the, 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 yeah. I, don't, I don't know if fumbles are happening, happening and they're just being recovered by the team that coughed them up or, or what's going on there, but... I don't know. Like, the, the Vegas line in this game really surprised me. I mean, San Francisco, as you said, they're playing pretty well but at the same time you don't think the bears defense is going to come in and just smother nick mullins like i i think this game's going to be ugly i uh, i don't know i mean the bears are obviously off winning the division so you know kind of maybe a trap game and a letdown game for them but uh nick mullins has you know probably uh, been one of the better yardage quarterbacks over the last three weeks in the nfl it's, it's very strange to think of you know it says a lot for kyle shanahan's offense that he keeps slotting guys in and they keep doing well but what do you do with the Bears side? I mean, if you think this, the, the Bears score a bunch and make this game ugly, I mean, they're a four-point favorite. Do you like uh, Trubisky with one of the receivers? Do you like Jordan Howard if they if they get ahead? Uh, do you do anything with the Bears offense here in the in the afternoon game? I think it'd be Howard in tournaments. I like him a little more on FanDuel than on DraftKings, which is often the case because they just don't really want to throw to him that much. Uh, the guy I kind of like at receiver, though, is Allen Robinson. We've seen receivers on the outside carve up San Francisco this season. Robinson's priced down quite a bit because they spread the ball around so much. It's tournaments only because you just don't know if he's getting five targets or 12. And look, if this game stays close, the Bears may not be able to lean on Jordan Howard as much as I think they will. So I think if I'm going to get exposure to one of the pass catchers, it's Allen Robinson. The play I probably like the most overall is Jordan Howard in tournaments on FanDuel. Robinson was so frustrating last week. He had that 30 yard catch in the first quarter against the Packers, you know, really on the first drive. Then he had a 19 yarder in the second quarter. He was, he had 54 yards at halftime and then didn't catch another pass. The rest of the game had one target in the second half. I was, I really liked him as a play last week and just, uh, I don't know what happened in the second half of that game. They just, they just went away from him. He looked so explosive in those first couple catches. He did. Too. He did. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Jordan Howard, you know, he's he's rolling a little bit 16, 19, and 19 carries the last three weeks. But, you know, 19 carries for 60 yards, just so unexplosive. But if he gets a couple touchdowns, you know, obviously then he pays off. What about Tariq Cohen? I mean, if you think that uh, the Bears are ahead, you just think that he's it's just not a game plan that he's really involved in? Yeah, more or less. And, and the price is ticked up. He's 6,400, which based on his season average, he definitely like belongs there. Uh, but we're seeing, you know, kind of mid-teens performances more often than not from him. He's had a couple of duds sprinkled in over the last eight weeks as well. I'm okay with it, but I'm I'm not prioritizing Cohen myself. What about the 49ers passing game? Uh, Dante Pettis is 4,300 on DraftKings, 5,400 on FanDuel. A lot of targets with Nick Mullins, 32, 32 in the last five weeks, and his price has not really come up. Niners might have to throw the ball a lot. We mentioned that uh, you know they could get behind in this game. George Kittle, crazy targets with Nick Mullins. Uh, 10, 12, 9, 9, and 8 over the last five weeks. I mean, he just Mullins just you know stares him down and throws to him. He obviously had that huge 210-yard game. Uh, do you like either pass target this week for the 49ers with the thought that maybe they do get behind and have to throw? I do like Pettis because he's very cheap. I mean, you're paying top dollar for Kittle. I think I'd rather try to save a little at tight end if I can. Go to the Evan Ingram chunk. You know, go to the 4K range at the position right. if I can. I think the matchup being tough is one that I'm a little bit worried about. I mean, George Kittle runs away from guys unlike a normal tight end. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. nuts. It's it's like Kelsey, maybe even more extreme, like just the speed that he brings to the table. What concerns do you have? Like, do you think you, there's anything that schematically they have to do differently with him in this matchup? You know, I don't know. I think it just depends on if the, if the game stays close. I don't really love them because I think that, you know, the Bears kind of buckle down on D. But if the Bears get up, you know, I really like them, you know, maybe playing a little a uh, little softer on defense and, you know, Kittle kind of underneath with a lot of catches. Uh, he's going to get a lot of targets. And, and in DK, that'd be really nice just because the points per reception. But I think I agree with you. I think I like the price drop to Evan Ingram too much probably to do it. Other guys in that range. But if I'm looking for a cheap receiver with some upside, I think Dante Pettis in a game that uh, – I think the 49ers get to throw the second half as a guy that at 4,300, um, we mentioned a couple cheaper guys. I probably like Antonio Callaway a little bit more, but uh, Pettis is probably going to get into a couple of my lineups. Yeah, Pettis would be the guy that I'm most likely to have in this game on the San Francisco side. The running backs scare me. The Bears have been great against the run all year, kind of a top three run defense. You look at teams that are, are holding opposing backs under 20 points per game. Saints, Bears, Ravens, Titans. I mean, you just haven't seen a lot of big games against those four defenses, so... Dealing with Brita and the ongoing ankle concerns, something I really don't want to do. So I think it's more of a passing game interest in San Francisco, if any interest at all. Yeah, there's been a bunch of stuff from people who watched the game closely that said that Brita aggravated his ankle really near the end of that Seattle game. So just not worth the risk for me. I think it's uh, there's two. I mean, who knows? But there's two higher percentages that he has three carries and has to come out. I just I don't trust it. He's he's really cheap on DK at 4200. I love the talent at that price, but. Against this defense and with the fact that maybe maybe he aggravated even more, I just I'm not someone that I'm messing with this week. Jeff Wilson's at 3,700. If they were gonna like rule out Brita or something, I wonder how much the interest in in Wilson would tick up at that price. Uh, I think there's just other guys in that range I still like more. Yeah, it's again the Bears are nasty against the run, especially, and that could be a major problem regardless whether it's Brita or Wilson. Last game on the slate is an interesting one. I think a good one to talk about. It's hard to figure out. Is the, the Rams at Arizona? Uh, the Rams are favored by fourteen over under a forty-seven and a half. This Rams offense has been struggling mightily, as we've talked about a few times. Uh, last three weeks have been have been really tough for them. Um, they are fourteen point favorites. Kind of surprised me on the road, but I, I know Arizona is that bad. But 
if the Rams are going to score that many points, I mean, the over-under is 47 and a half. It's the, it's the, I think it's the highest one outside of the Steelers-Saints game. There was a, one of the games that was a 47 or 47 and a half. But who do you pick on this Rams offense knowing that they got to score somewhat? I mean, Todd Gurley's a little banged up. Jared Goff's been struggling. Uh, what do you do with the Rams this week? Robert Woods was the player that kind of stood out to me at, at 6,600 on DK especially. I mean, the target volume is pretty safe week to week. He's had at least eight targets in, in five of his last six games. Yardage is pretty consistent week to week, and he gets plenty of chances to get red zone targets after that weird lull for like six weeks earlier this season. I mean, it's the same kind of thing we talk about every time they come up. Cooks and, and Woods are both right in the mid-6,000 range. I think you can kind of go either direction. I think Woods has the safer floor. Cooks brings a little more ceiling, so you know adjust accordingly. But Goff not playing well and being on the road with a potentially banged-up or limited girly, that does raise some questions here. I mean... If Gurley, if Gurley's held out of practice all week, to me it's an indication that they're not going to play him. We'll, we'll know, hopefully, before the early games kick off, but if not, we'll know 90 minutes before this game starts. What would you do with the backup option? What would you do with John Kelly if Todd Gurley were ruled out? Because at 4K against Arizona, with the potential for a lot of volume, that's a great spot. Yeah, I think that uh, if Gurley would be ruled out, I think you just slide Kelly in and hope that uh, in that offense there's enough touches that it, it works out at 4,000. I think that uh, in that offense it's hard not to play somebody there. And I, I just wonder if I wonder if Sean McVay is going to game plan to get Jared Goff going this week. There's a lot of uh, a lot of talk about uh, Goff and you know how good is he really, and the confidence has got to be wavering a little bit after that. You know, he had that huge Kansas City game where he looked fantastic, the big game on Monday night, and then. One TD the last three weeks. I just I wonder if McVeigh is gonna gonna plan something to get him going and really kind of kind of get his confidence back up. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. I was driving during the Sunday night game, so I, I didn't get to watch the thirty five of fifty three for three thirty nine and a pick. I mean, it's a lot of volume and not really that much output uh, last week against a bad Philly secondary and at home too. You know, at home this it year, was, uh, Jared Goff's been really was, good it, at home. It was worse to watch than it sounded or look at in the box score. He was he was definitely worse than the box score. But he's getting 7.4 YPA on the road this season. Completion percentage is under 60. 15.5 FanDuel or, or DraftKings points per game. What do you think? I mean, like, is this actually a spot where you'd be more inclined to take the points with the Cardinals and, and just kind of assume the Rams are going to win, but the Cardinals are pesky enough to hang around? Uh, I don't think so. I think the Cardinals are just that bad. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're bad. I just... I didn't really. I think have any... I would. I think I think fourteen is probably too high. But I just I don't feel comfortable betting on the Cardinals. I I I wouldn't bet this game either way. I wouldn't lay the points. But the Cardinals, I could see this being a you know thirty-one to six game pretty easily too. Yeah, if, if they're going to get to that thirty-one to six, I, I just think it's because Goff gets right and it, Goff's priced up in the breeze, Roethlisberger range. I mean, we talked about Watson earlier. There's probably five quarterbacks I'd play at least probably more than like that, probably like eight that I'd plan on playing over Goff, which means Goff's going to be sort of like Matt Ryan, where he's going to cruise by under the radar and their implied totals high. I mean, they're floating right around the top of the it list is. with the saints. So if you think the Rams have a shot at covering that with a banged up girly Goff kind of has to be part of that, right? Unless the defense goes off. Yeah, one of my lineups is going to be a, a Goff Robert Woods or Goff Brandon Cooks lineup. I think that he's going to be like two percent owned. I think in that, like you mentioned, that price, everybody's going to go Breeze or Roethlisberger or even Deshaun Watson instead or Andrew Luck. There's just so many options, like you said. Uh, I think that uh, I think he gets going a little bit. I think uh, I think he goes for 
a couple touchdowns and a bunch of yards, and I think I think McVay gets him going. So I'm going to go one lineup this week in, in both on DraftKings and FanDuel with, uh, with a golf stack with either Woods or Cooks. I like it, and you're going to do that regardless of whether Gurley plays? I'm going to do that regardless of whether Gurley plays, yes. Because I think if Gurley plays, I think he plays a half, and then they sit him down anyway. Yeah, they, they could back off him very easily in that matchup. If you're looking to save some money, uh, Josh Reynolds apparently amazingly had 12 targets last week. Any interest if you were to go kind of off the radar on the third receiver there? Uh, he's uh, 5300 on FanDuel. He's cheaper on DraftKings at 4800 uh, Do you think he gets uh, heavy involvement again? You know, he's had... 24 targets now over the last three games, and he's got about 22 DraftKings points to show for it. It's not really good not output. Good. Like, no, it's not. So the best thing you could say about him, I saw this analysis somewhere. It was, hey, well, Reynolds probably won't see Patrick Peterson, so that creates an <laughs> easier true. matchup for Goff. And it, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if they're going to just move Woods and Cooks around so those guys get other matchups too. That's kind of what I assume they would do. But that would be the appeal of Reynolds is that he'll probably never see Peterson, whereas those other two guys might see him, you know, kind of evenly throughout the game. Uh, tournaments only at forty six hundred. I, I just I want to be careful not to chase bad volume, and, and it kind of feels like Josh Reynolds' volume lately has been bad volume. Yeah, I think that uh, he's not cheap enough that uh, I wouldn't just go up to one of the other receivers or play someone else in that range. There's, a lot, there's other receivers I like more. Uh, anybody on the Arizona side, uh, you know, does not uh, not a good game script for a running back. Although David Johnson could get a lot of targets out of the backfield. Larry Fitzgerald uh, has been a little bit better. 17 targets the last couple of weeks. Alshon Jeffrey did have 160 on this Rams off our defense last week. Uh, do you want to touch the Arizona offense at all or just a, a stay away for you? Easy avoid for me among the worst implied totals on the board. I, I just don't trust Josh Rosen. They've got offensive line issues. There's so many reasons to stay away. Yeah, I agree there, too. With, with a full slate, I just don't think it can, it can happen. I mean, David Johnson could get a bunch of targets, but what will he do with them? And I just uh, I think the Rams roll in this game. I actually uh, a lot of people I've seen that they like Arizona with the points. Uh, I don't. I think the Rams finally get right in this game. It's a good spot to do it, in, especially indoors against a bad team. I think 31 to six is where we're going. All right. That nice, nice blow out there. And I think the the stack you described is definitely a good idea. Anybody uh, anybody else on your mind? Anybody we haven't hit or you want to discuss or anything else uh, going on with your life? Um, no, not really. I mean, I've got uh, <laughs> the usual like Christmas things going on early next week, you know, between now and, and the next time we speak. But uh, business as usual for me. How about you? Uh, pretty much the same. A little, uh, little trip up north to uh, see the family uh, this week. Uh, but uh, we're back for... A podcast next week, but it's been a it's been a crazy few months of work, so I'm looking forward to maybe just uh, maybe just chilling and kind of avoiding people for a few days. Good plan. I, it's always <laughs> always a good way to uh, to bring in the new year. Who does uh, Who does Wisconsin play in their bowl game? Miami in the Pinstripe Bowl. Miami. All right. Oh, in Yankee Stadium then, huh? Yeah, yeah. Same matchup as last year, just different venue. Nice. Stanford's playing Pitt, which is about as boring a matchup as you can get, and Bryce Love's not playing, so. Uh, I guess on New Year's Eve, I might have something find something else to do. Man, Stanford Pitt, that's like, without Bryce Love, that's like Army-Navy in terms of where those offenses are going to like be at. It's uh, it's not going to be pretty. You're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of J.J. Arciega-Whiteside catching passes, though. At least that's good. But uh, it should be, a, uh, should be a pretty gross game overall. I have not watched a single bowl game yet. It's too early in the bowl season for me. Uh, you and me both. I probably won't tune in for uh, a while. There's a, uh, I'm more of a pro guy than a college guy anyway, but, uh, I'll watch the bigger ones. But, uh, do you think Alabama or Clemson wins at all? I think it's Bama. I think Clemson, I think Clemson beats them. Yeah. I'm, I just, I, I've, I've, I don't bet against Bama. 
No, I, I will not bet against Bama, but I think Clemson's really good. I think that should be a fun game, assuming it, it goes that way. But anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Rotowire DFS podcast for week 16. We do have one more week. We'll be back at you next week for week 17, talking about a bunch of backups probably and uh, maybe some maybe some teams that need to win games. We'll kind of have to see how the, how the standings uh, play out after this week. But if you could please rate or review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. If you happen to enjoy listening to us, that would be a fantastic thing to do. If you leave us some stars and a good rating, Uh, That would be certainly appreciated. Other than that, hope everybody has a great fantasy week and a great holiday and take care. We'll probably be a little bit deflated since all this Smith Schuster talk is going to probably pump up his ownership. We've talked about Juju several times this year as the easy way to get exposure to Pittsburgh's passing game and to save a thousand or more doing it. And now that the gap's only 500, are you more inclined to just find 500 for Antonio Brown? This week, 100%. I love stud receivers coming off bad games. We, you know, Last week, Julio with the 18 yards scored twice last week. Last week, uh, Antonio Brown, five for 35 yards. I mean, that never happens in a game for him. And, you know, Juju obviously went crazy. But um, I love AB this week. 30, still 33 targets the last three weeks. I think uh, Roethlisberger Brown's probably my favorite stack of the week. I do like your cousin, the cousin Steelin one, too. But uh, I think even in lineups where I don't play Ben, I'm going to try and get Antonio Brown in. It's just going to be a matter of you can't uh, you can't have everybody. And we everybody's going to want one of those big running backs. So it's a matter of finding those cheap guys. But I'm going to try and find a line of the money for Brown in most of my lineups this week. I mean, looking back at some of the previous matchups, too, he gets plenty of targets, plenty of opportunities against the Patriots. I'm not really worried about New England completely shutting him down or anything like that. So uh, it's weird. Yet again, it just feels like Antonio Brown's almost more of a tournament play because of what everybody's likely to do with their builds. He's going off this week. All right. Mark it down. Antonio Brown's going off this week. Yeah, he should. Uh, he's my he's my uh, receiver of the week for sure. I like him and Thielen, but I, I'm going Brown number one this week. What about Jalen Samuels? Uh, Con- James Conner looks pretty doubtful to play. Obviously, you want to know that before you uh, decide to play him. It is the it is the late game, but I think we'll know uh, by Saturday afternoon whether Conner is going to play. Uh, Samuels was clearly the guy last week. Stephen Ridley stole the touchdown, which is a little frustrating, but he outsnapped him like 50 to 10 or something like that. Or I think it was 48 to 8. Uh, he only had 111 carries for 28 yards rushing, but looked really good out of backfield. Obviously, he was a tight end in college a bunch of times. So seven uh, seven targets, seven catches, 64 yards. He's pumped up a little bit price wise to 5200 on DraftKings. Like last week, he was 4600. Uh, do you like Samuels this week? If you're not going to go with Brown or Schuster, you can't fit them in a lineup. Uh, how do you feel about Samuels this week in this game? That should be a lot of points. I, mean, I like him on DraftKings because of that pass catching role I do have some doubts about him as a runner I I think that's a legitimate concern Uh, we just haven't even in the preseason I don't think the efficiency was really there and again you can only put so much stock in that but this is a a interesting spot for him I think he'll be heavily involved again as a pass catcher and clearly they're comfortable using him in that role I mean seven catches on seven targets last week I just thought even against even if he's not a very good runner Against Oakland, he should have got four yards of carry because Oakland's just yeah. bad. Like that, that's, the, that's the little concerning thing for me with Samuels, but still priced down enough at 5200 where I want to prioritize him uh, if Connor's ruled out, especially with that price on DraftKings. So we talked about uh, we talked about Juju and AB, but what about Roethlisberger? He's uh, he's seven hundred more than Brady on uh, DraftKings, seven hundred more on FanDuel. Also, obviously back at home where he plays better. Uh, he said he, he missed a bunch of time last week in the game. You know, he missed most of the second half and still had two hundred eighty two yards and two touchdowns. Came back in late and threw the touchdown to, to Smith Schuster. Seven games over three hundred yards passing. You know, he's been a huge stack guy this year. Great game script. 
Uh, do you spend the money up to get uh, him over Brady, him over Cousins, him over other quarterbacks you may like? And do you think the 6,600, a uh, second question, you think that keeps his percentage down a little bit? Or you think he's, he's popular? I think he's pretty popular in cash. I think in tournaments he'll be somewhat popular, but not so much that having him is going to be any sort of, of detriment. Uh, I think with with Ben, like you, you look at this spot and you think, is this one of those 350-plus games? Like He's done that against the Patriots several times. So he's gone over 350 against the Patriots, I think, in four of their last five regular season meetings. Uh, that's that's kind of like the makeup of this game, right? So the problem I have with Roethlisberger is just finding the extra money at quarterback in particular this week, especially when Brady on the other side is under 6K. So I think my exposure is going to be more either with Samuels or one of the receivers uh, and less with Ben himself. Yeah, I need to play with it a bit, but uh, you know, thinking about it out loud, it's going to be hard to get one of Saquon and Zeke uh, within with Ben and Antonio Brown. So it's going to, I'm going to try and build one of those and see how it looks for the rest of the lineup. It could be really tough. So I wonder if just the up and the the price up on on Ben and Antonio Brown maybe keeps them a little lower percentage than than we think, and that it would be really nice in tournaments. But uh, just with the expensive running backs, I think they're going to be so popular. I just wonder how much you know. There's only so much money you can spend. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how much how high Ben's going to be since he's the he's the highest price quarterback i mean if you if you were going to stack roethlisberger with antonio brown do you offset cost by sneaking in vance mcdonald for 3900 at tight end you gotta you gotta probably pay down at tight end if you're going to play ben and antonio brown in the same lineup don't you 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 do have to play down at tight end i just don't think i really want to do vance mcdonald i think uh, if i were to go in that range I'd probably go Evan Ingram before him. I'd probably go uh, Jimmy Graham before him. I'd probably go CJ Uzuma, Uz, Uzuma before him. I just, uh, I don't know. Vance has burned me so many times. I just I just don't trust the guy. Yeah, Uzoma at 3,600. I think I'd keep paying down if I was starting to think that way and couldn't pull it off. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you could go uh, as low as your guy, Anthony Ferkser. <laughs> I was going to say, when in doubt, 2900 for Anthony Ferkser, it's, it's hard to go wrong there. <laughs> it's not that hard to go wrong there. The one thing you don't do, though, is you don't go down to 2600 to go to Ricky Seals-Jones because that guy's the worst. Yeah, Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, never. I mean, that, that's a Josh Rosen sort of problem. And now that we've said that, he'll probably score. So let's all <laughs> no look forward there. to that now. Yeah, no. Anytime I say something that extreme, I, it, it locks in that 60 yards and a touchdown. I, I look forward to seeing Ricky Seals-Jones with the long score this week. Hey, you know what? You're better than hot takes. So if, if, if when you have a hot take, it gets punished <laughs> and it keeps you from unleashing more of them, it's only a good thing. That is uh, that is very true. So anybody else uh, on this slate you want to discuss? Anything else uh, game-wise, slate-wise, life-wise you want to talk about? No, no. I, I, I need I need a vacation. Like I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the holiday season to get here and for January to arrive so I can take some kind of winter trip. I think you're in the same boat. It's been a crazy busy stretch for you as well. It has. Uh, is 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 Christmas and the holidays relaxing for you? Is it a stressful family, stressful kind of thing? No, it's relaxing. You know, I think part That's of it's nice. not having kids. Like, there's not really a lot of stuff I have to do. And, um, you know, Steph's family does a lot of work for a gathering and, and my family does a lot. And I, I've just, I'm in that middle ground where I, I'm not a parent and I don't have to host anything. So, it's usually like, hey, pick up some nice beer and come over. And that's that's really easy. That is uh, a you're, you're a good person for that. I'm, I'm just lucky right now. I know that's going to change. Things will not <laughs> always be this way. Uh, they won't. I got to tell you that uh, I'm not a huge Christmas person, but having a little one does make it a little more fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you got that to look forward to. She is uh, she is pretty stoked for Santa Claus to bring her a lot of things that aren't very expensive at the moment. So that's uh, that's good all the way around for everybody. That's a big win. 
Yeah, I'm not. That's not gonna last long. She's only three, so uh, give her a couple years, and she's gonna want to pick the most expensive things. But right now, it's cheap and simple, and things that are easy. So it uh, it's nice. Hey, we'll enjoy that while it lasts. Yeah, no doubt. So thanks, everybody, for listening to the uh, Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week 15. I can't believe we've made it this far. Uh, if you could please rate or review the podcast, that'd be greatly appreciated. If you do happen to enjoy listening to us, we greatly appreciate if you leave, uh, leave a nice comment, leave a bunch of stars. That would be uh, that would be fantastic. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at Scott Jenstead. Uh, Derek is at Derek Van Riper. I am starting to shift to baseball talk a little bit on my Twitter, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to play these last three weeks pretty heavy on DFS and football. So I'll be talking about that. Uh, you know, most of my season long leagues are done. I'm still in the NFFC prime time, but uh, my focus in the last three weeks are going to be DFS wise. How about you? Yeah, it's going to be mostly DFS at this point, but I'm, I'm ready for baseball. Like, I'm probably going to start doing some draft champion stuff about the second week of January. I know some people are already in multiple leagues, but I'm going to take a little time, gather my thoughts and go at it probably the first month of the year. Get me on. Uh, get me on one of your baseball podcasts soon. We will. We'll get you on. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, have a, a good week 15. We'll be at you next week. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.